curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today's episode provides us the unique opportunity to discuss firsthand the trials and tribulations of being new to sales as a recent entrance to the workforce, be it after college graduation, military service, or other line of work. My guest is Dylan Neal. In 2017, Dylan went through a transformation not unlike that of many of his peers. He translated early success in highly commoditized and competitive marketplace in office equipment sales into a sales development role with Qualtrics, a software-as-a-service provider with international offices headquartered in Utah. In his office in the Dallas suburbs, Dylan is representative of the demographic of salespeople within his office. As the current sales team numbers 55 in members, all ranging in age from 21 to their mid-30s. Instead of asking Dylan for his opinion alone with respect to the members of his team, we presented broad talking points for him to share with his office, and the responses you'll hear are not informed by Dylan's opinion alone, but the broader cross-section of his peers working together in their office. This is a little bit of a late-night podcast recording so we're going to try to work our way through this Dylan thanks for showing up tonight and being willing to uh, spend some time with me yeah no thanks uh thanks for having me pleasure to be here um always good to you know kind of share a story about Qualtrics uh and my own personal story as well yeah for sure it should be fun all right so let's jump right into it Dylan so for the audience walk us through your somewhat brief career you graduated from Albion College here in Michigan in 2016 What's your journey been like since graduation, and where has that led you to today? Yeah, so you know, pretty much right after graduation, finished up um, the lacrosse season over there at Albion. Um, basically, the next week, went to work in the copper sales industry. Um, was doing that for you know about a year. Um, worked for two different companies, um, you know, kind of one major market player, um, another kind of smaller 
on the industry scale as far as um, you know copyright industry goes. Um, so that was a pretty interesting you know series of events in its, of itself. Um, you know, working for two kind of different organizations within the same industry. Um, kind of gave me a good background on, you know, what to expect kind of coming out of college. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good experience there. Um, and then you know, I knew I wanted to go into software sales you know, for a little bit. You know, found myself over at Rico selling copiers, you know, pretty much right out of college. Um, and, you know, trying to kind of work up a resume, um, build up some sales skills, kind of an entry-level position. Um, and, and it was kind of a, a dual position as far as, you know, account executive goes um, and kind of a hybrid of a hunter and farmer role. Um, and I did transition to Qualtrics about nine, ten months ago. Um, so I've been, you know, there for a while now. Um, that is, you know, mostly a, a hunter role. Yeah. Well, and boy, you know, when when you talk about uh, selling of a product, you're learning firsthand the difference between selling something that is easily identified in comparison to features and benefits to another product in the marketplace versus something a little more difficult to uh, quantify when it comes to those features and benefits in software sales. So uh, you, you've had the good benefit, good fortune, double-edged sword probably really when you think about it of seeing both sides of that equation. But before we dig into that a little bit, let's let's talk a little bit about Qualtrics. I'm, I'm assuming that everyone that would l- be listening would necessarily know that name. So for members of our listening audience, what po- potential problems does Qualtrics solve for businesses and has there been a specific area or specialty or something noteworthy within Qualtrics sales efforts that you've been able to identify as sort of being a target niche, vertical market, problem you solve? You know, how, why, why, what does Qualtrics do that's unique in the marketplace? Yeah, so you know, I can kind of give a brief intro on Qualtrics in general and then kind of dive into those pieces in a second. Um, but, but Qualtrics in general started in 2002. Um, our founder was actually a professor at, at BYU, and he wanted an easy way for his students to run research projects. At the time, there wasn't really a good tool or solution out of the market to accomplish that you know, at a relatively low fee um, for um, you know, his students to use. So he ended up just starting his own company. Um, obviously, it wasn't a company to start out with, but you know, creating his own tool um, and you know, fast forward you know, a decade almost now, um, and, and Qualtrics really grown to, you know, sort of a tech giant, um, becoming a leader in a space in which they created, you know, some you know, 9,000, 10,000 clients total, um, and having 99 out of the top 100 business schools um, has, you know, led to a pretty successful growth path, you know, for Qualtrics. Um, as far as, you know, kind of what we're out to, to accomplish, so it's a, a survey-based software you know, data analysis tool, um, and, you know, kind of the reason for, you know, us entering into, you know, the experience space, um, you know, 80% of CEOs believe that they're providing a great experience and only 8% of their customers agree. So we call that the experience gap. And what we're doing with our solution is trying to close that. Um, you know, in the, the modern world, companies are disproportionately awarded um, and, and punished for the experiences they're providing. So, you know, I don't think you've probably, you know, been to a restaurant that you haven't looked up review for. Um, but experiences, you know, in the modern day and age are pretty important. Um, so Qualtrics is really focused on four key pulses of a business that we're trying to improve on. So those are customer experience, employee experience, product experience, and then brand experience. So okay. trying to close the gap um, with that is, is kind of what we've kind of launched into. 
So you're, you are operating in a space that may be also occupied by providers who have solutions that are less expensive and perhaps less robust than what your uh, company may provide. Is that accurate yeah. to say? Yeah, I would say that's, that's probably accurate. I think that we have a good um, sort of seat in the market. I think on, on one end of things, we have exactly what you're describing there. Um, a lot of our freemium competitors, as we like to call them, offer a, a kind of lower-end solution, you know, not as many features. Um, you know, it's a lot harder to run. You know, data analysis, you usually have to export some of those um, data points into Excel and then to a separate you know, solution to run some of those analyses you might want to run. Um, and, or the Qualtrics platform, you know, sits nicely you know, kind of in between there and, you know, a full service market research firm. So we're kind of in between the two or the two ends of the spectrum. Um, they sit at a pretty decent cost point as far as features uh, and functionality goes. But as a salesperson, it's not very often that you're in a position where you sell the best piece of product for the lowest price, right? So you're in this position where you have to justify a premium to your buyers over something that they may be otherwise able to have in the marketplace for something less than what they might spend with you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of, you know, specifically to my, you know, kind of account book, I not only have to pitch, you know, Qualtrics um, and that our solution is better, but sometimes even have to pitch that, you know, they need a customer experience solution at all. Um, so not only pitching Qualtrics in our company and our platform, but, you know, the industry really in general. Yeah, for sure. So not, not as simple as just showing up to a line of people waiting to buy your product from you, willing to pay any price <laughs> and yeah. di- dying to have whatever it is that you are willing to offer, right? So not dissimilar from those of us who grew up in sales, regardless of genre or era, when you're not selling the cheapest thing, when you're not selling the thing that is the thing that everyone wants, therein lies your ability to be able to show value nonetheless, right? That's really what it comes down to. So so let's talk a little bit about when it comes to, um, given the fact that you're a software provider, and yet you know, that, that's not necessarily a, it shows up in a box with someone to install it and deliver it sort of thing. So you have to be able to demonstrate value to your buyer when it comes to the relationship that you and I are, or you and he or she are trying to, to create. So um, I'm always interested in organizations like that as far as the way that they're structured to cover the market. So let's talk a little bit about like, we said you have 55 people in your office. How many channels is that covering? How does that hierarchy work? And where, where would Dylan today fall into sort of that hierarchy of, you know, brand new off the street to the guy that runs the entire show? Yeah, so kind of starting from the, the ground up, um, we do have a core team of sales development representatives in our office that are you know, pretty much outbound meeting setting representatives. So they're, you know, doing a, a high volume number of calling, emailing a day, you know, trying to set meetings for account executives. Um, kind of moving up that ladder there, we do have a platform of account executives, you know, one, two, three, four, and five. Um, you know, kind of, we set our own meetings as well as, you know, we do get some um, support from those SDRs. So it, it's kind of a mix of the two. And then kind of moving up from there, we do have, um, enterprise level 
executives too. So, you know, they handle the Nikes, the Under Armors, you know, the Apples, those, those big, you know, conglomerates are kind of what they're focused on. So what, what does career advancement look like? What, what, uh, I'm assuming there's a, a, a relatively fast-paced internal advancement track if you're successful. So what might someone following that kind of path within the organization expect to see happen for them as they're rising through that uh, hierarchy? Yep, so we are heavily tracked on metrics. Um, do you have you know, a little quadrant that you can look at your pace for the month? You know, as far as number of calls you need to hit, number of uh, meetings you need to set, um, as well as, you know, obviously quota attainment. Um, you know, quota attainment is the, the one thing that's going to keep you from moving, you know, up in the organization. We do have an automatic promote structure. So, you know, you hit X, Y, and Z, you move to the next level. They recently put in a, a system that if you hit, you know, X, Y, and Z times two, you can skip a level. So go from AE1 to AE3, um, you know, various things like that. But it's basically, you know, automatic promote levels. Um, you know, you need to hit these numbers to move up to this position. So you can get double promoted. Yes. yes. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the double promotion, right? It always, yeah. always yeah. works the, out good. The mythical double promo <laughs> um, it, it has, has been seen, you know, few and far between so far. Uh, I think that that is, you know, um, due to a couple of different things. But I think, um, you know, the Dallas office being relatively new and, you know, definitely having new reps, you know, younger people um, just learning how to, you know, sell, how to prospect, you know, how to close deals. I think that that's, um, you know, been an interesting task for our sales leaders uh, in Dallas. The unicorn as it <laughs> has come to be known. So right. let's, let's talk about these 55 people that make up your office. So um, male, female, uh, race, gender, you know, would you classify it as a balanced team? Or do you find it skewing more towards just completely brand new, right out of haven't done anything before kind of thing? Like, how does that break down? Yeah, so I think that, you know, we're not a very diverse organization. Um, I think, um, you know, part of that is, you know, starting on Provo, Utah, kind of living in a bubble out there, Um, you know, especially in the Utah office. It's a lot of, you know, like people. Um, That being said, kind of, on the gender aspect, I feel like there's a pretty good mix, um, you know, male, female. Um, as far as, you know, kind of newer sales reps, I think that a lot of people are, are lucky into coming into Qualtrics right out of college, it being their first job. So uh, I think we're going to dive into culture a little bit later on, but I think, you know, they take it for granted a little bit, um, you know, kind of coming in straight out of college, like, oh, every company must be like this. Um, you know, every company is this fun. You know, that type of thing. So it's definitely, you know, I definitely think more on the, the newer sales side. So I would say to you, Dylan, that the listeners of this podcast, however many of them there may be, to a certain degree, you, you represent for us somewhat of a novel concept in that our industry is relatively old from an average age of the salesperson perspective. So not only for you as a as just in being in the same discipline as those of us who are applying our trade here in the promotional products arena, you're somewhat unique in and of yourself. But even more importantly, as members of our industry are trying to figure out ways to continue their business beyond their own contribution, as they decide to maybe 
spend more time behind the wheel of an RV and less time in front of a sales presentation with a prospect or a a client. Um, I know there's a lot of appetite for what you may have to tell us. And the beauty of this discussion is not that it's just your opinion, but I gave you the opportunity to go ask some of these questions of the broader, larger, more diverse, whether or not they're gender skewed or racially skewed or age skewed. You represent this group of people that the people that listen to me typically don't have a chance to hear what you all have to say. So we want to give you guys a chance, given just the relative youth of the organization and and the sales team as a whole, you know, we have questions, you have questions. What better way for us to open this dialogue than to say, like, let me ask you the questions that we have about you and then you tell me. What questions do you have for us in reverse? And perhaps there might be some opportunity for the old people and the young people <laughs> to have a chance to dialogue, which how great would that be? So yeah. so let me ask you a few things. Um, we talk all the time in our space about the idea that folks your age are digital natives, right? And I think even if I were to advance that topic with you and your friends at the bar, if I would say, you guys were digital natives, you would be like, well, what are you even talking about? That The idea that these tools and um, uh, reference points that you've had available to you are things that we had to learn how to use and you grew up with them being second nature to you. But what I know is that how they get used in business is not always the same as how they get used in your personal lives. So how, as a group, how have you all been surprised by the ways that technology tools just don't seem to be effective? Like, where have you been surprised as you've moved into corporate America to say, like, I can't believe how terrible this is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a double sword. I think that, you know, there has been a lot of advancements um, in, in technology to help out, um, you know, salesmen and, you know, sales organizations in general. I think that, you know, us younger people take, you know, these things for granted a lot. I think, you know, a CRM solution, you know, obviously it wasn't always you know, the cornerstone to a sales organization, you know, working off paper and pen, you know, would have been a lot harder to do um, than, you know, we have now, you know, Salesforce, um, you know, that being obviously the biggest player in, in the field, um, you know, I think that that's led to, you know, a lot of sales organizations really growing at a rapid pace, uh, really seeing a lot of benefits from that. Um, as far as, you know, other things, I think that, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of big players in the field, digital marketing, you know, getting a lot of, of use out of um, social media and trying to target there. Um, I don't think, you know, Qualtrics in general has a, a really great handle on that yet. You know, we pride ourselves on being a scrappy organization. Um, sometimes that means just kind of starting to run, figuring out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, um, and, and try to do it our own way. Uh, I think that that's, you know, has some benefits and some, some disadvantages. I think that our, you know, kind of digital marketing team is, sort of immature on, on that side of things. Um, you know, we are an experienced company. We run great events. Our Explore event every year is top-notch. Um, but as far as, you know, actually, you know, some of the digital pieces, I think that, you know, we could definitely use some help there. Um, you know, we use a couple different, you know, sales tricks or, or kind of technologies to help us out. Um, you know, one of those being kind of one of those call masking tools. Um, so, and we use Tout. Um, I think our SDR program uses Call the Contact, I think it's called. Um, but, you know, basically you type in your number, you type in their number, you use local presence. 
Um, I think that that's been you know pretty helpful for us. You know, being in a high volume um, sales role, I think that just trying to trick people into answering the phone sometimes works. Sometimes they pick up and say, "You know, are you in my hometown?" And you're just like, uh, uh, no, uh, I, I don't know. That's weird. So, um, you know, we have a, a phone system. I don't know what the deal is there, but um, I think that there is you know some great tools out there. I think that you know obviously. People are selling those tools to silver organizations, and you know sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, but I think that you know us as younger salespeople just really think that you know this is how it is everywhere. Um, everyone has these tools. And I think that's that's not exactly true. Well, let, let's 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 dive into that just a little bit deeper. So um, I was trying to think about what what would be the kinds of campaigns that I might reference for you that we could say regardless of our age, we collectively could point to that and say, that's some pretty smart marketing. And I, I, I think like uh, the old, old spice, right? Old, old, what old spice realized was guys don't buy deodorant. Their significant others do. And if you can figure out how to market to them and market to them, well, you have the path to the buying decision in a way that maybe you hadn't considered before. And so um, or, or if you look at like Instagram marketers, you know, I, I know that's a platform that's near and dear to the mid twenties set. So when you see super effective Instagram marketers or, you know, the guy on YouTube, who's got a bajillion followers until he does something just horribly embarrassing and ruins his entire enterprise overnight, you know, I think what you probably see, as do I, as do the rest of the members of your team, is there's this gigantic gap between the people who have the investment and the ability to take those kind of swings and everybody else. And, you know, in this space, when you say like, well, we're scrappy and we're using technology, really what you're saying is we're employing the traditional sales models and we're hoping that we're just going to be more effective at it than some other folks have been in the, in the past, but you are using some, some technology tools. And I guess what's important to highlight here is the notion of like, no one's expecting you to make 60 consecutive direct dial phone calls to expect that you're going to be able to make a certain number of connections, a certain number of appointments, a certain number of demos. You're using technology tools to help you, perhaps get to that uh, end, end state. Is that accurate? Is that a, an accurate reflection of what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think you know, a lot of retail and consumer goods um, companies do a really good job at targeting on, on social media. It seems like you know, it happens to me a lot in the companies that I'm actually prospecting into, um, that I'm on their website browsing around, you know, kind of just looking at to see if they have any sort of site intercept or a, a feedback bar on their website. And, you know, I, I go on Instagram later after work or, or whatnot, and, you know, all their ads are you know, on my timeline. Um, and I think that they do a really good job at, you know, I'm not even sure how they do it. I'm on my computer, um, you know, not on my phone. Uh, how are they, you know, kind of accessing my my Instagram from there? They, I, don't, I don't know how they do it, but um, I think that they do a good job at, at kind of keeping you top of mind. Um, you know, I was looking at Ray-Ban's website. You know, they're obviously not one of my accounts, but... You know, I was doing some online shopping um, and ended up going to a store to buy a pair of sunglasses instead of buying them online. And I, I'm still to this day, you know, this was a couple months ago, getting getting Ray-Ban advertisements on my timeline. So 
Um, I think that, you know, some people do a better job of it than others. Um, hope that answers your question a little bit. No, for sure. And the idea of it is like, I see it happening. I know it works. I just want to learn how to do it from myself, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And, and building those bridges when you work for an organization that you believe in to say like, I believe we have more to give to the buying public. It's just how do we advance that message to people in a way that they're going to be able to receive it. So um, the, the beauty of that, I think, for those of us who are a bit older than you is to hear the notion that even in those instances where your entire sales platform is built on a much more youthful sales force, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it transfers upstream to the people who are trying to work on your lead gen and lead capture to put you guys in a position to be successful. So to me, that's really the message there is that regardless of whether you're 24 or 44 or 64, you know, in a lot of ways, we're all still struggling with that same issue. So, so let's pivot a little bit. Um, there's this notion of a concept and, and tell me if you think what I'm saying makes sense to you, if you've even heard it before, maybe in something that you've been taught along the way, but there's this notion of levels of competency, and it's kind of co commonly understood that as you go through the process of learning, you're going to go through stages of like going from when you literally don't know what you don't know through this continuum to where at least now I, I know what I, what I need to learn to like I have a very conscious understanding of what's important for me to be successful to I don't even think about it anymore. And what common teaching would, would tell you is that in those stages, there's advantages and disadvantages to each. When you're consciously incompetent, it gives you the opportunity to know what it is you need to learn in order to be more successful. But on the other end of that, when you stop thinking about it, you stop exposing yourself to additional levels of learning in order to maintain that high level of competence. So regardless of where you are in that continuum, there's always something more that you might be able to learn. So when it comes to mastering that art of being in sales, where do you think you personally are, or maybe even the group of people in your own individual and collective development? And, and are you seeing some separation now? Are you seeing some people who are, are starting to separate themselves from the pack? And maybe what might you attribute that to? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, everyone's different, obviously, um, and, and all the different levels of, you know, county executives like Qualtrics are performing differently. Um, uh, I think that that has to do a lot with the huge learning curve at Qualtrics. Um, you know, a lot of people have said, and, you know, their sentiments were kind of surrounding, you know, learning curve being pretty huge, you know, being a year to 18 months um, for things to really click for you, you know, at Qualtrics. Um, you know, it's a, a pretty advanced tool um, when you get into all the additional bells and whistles um, and, and the different tools kind of within our own platform. Um, that being said, you know, my, my role as an account executive, I'm calling to you know, various different buyer personas. Um, so trying to cater you know, those kind of conversations and have those in-depth discoveries um, with those, you know, various different people, I think it, it is pretty difficult at times, depending on, you know, who you're talking to. Um, so, you know, kind of a long-winded answer. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm starting to, to get out of the place of, um, you know, not knowing what I don't know and, and break into knowing what I don't know. You know, obviously pretty new to sales in the grand scheme of, um, you know, kind of a, a lifelong, um, you know, journey goes, but uh, I think that I'm starting to, to kind of break through a little bit here. Uh, I think that, you know, other people in the organization definitely, 
know, have a better handle uh, on things. And I think that a lot of um, the sales process, as far as Qualtrics goes, comes second nature to them. You know, looking at you know region lead, team leads. Um, you know, they can jump on any call. You know, not have any you know kind of precursor notes or anything, and, and be able to kill it. Um, you know, a lot of the lower level executives, you know, definitely have to do a lot of meeting prep, have to, you know, do a lot of research into a company before trying to walk into a meeting. Um, I think, you know, it's spread across the board, so it's hard to answer for everyone. Everyone's different, but, you know, that's that's how I see it at least. But to your point, get reaching a place where you focus less necessarily on following the script per se as it's been taught to you in advance of spending a little extra time in learning more about the personality of the person you might be dealing with so as to better understand how to tailor what you might say to what that buyer persona may need to hear from you, right? And and that's such a major major step in the right direction for most relatively new salespeople is to just take a breath for a minute and before you jump into selling to spend some time in meaningful discovery right and and I'm not I'm not trying to sound all zen and new agey here but before you jump into like let me tell you all the reasons why we're fantastic let me ask you a few things before I figure out which of the five I might tell you you might not care about right yeah yeah, and you know we we just went through sort of a sales process training a little bit ago, trying to get an official not script but a sort of program across the board that we can kind of follow. Um, and, and they talked a little bit about that, trying to you know do a lot of discovery on the front end. You know, once you um, start into pitching and trying to sell, you know they say it's like a door. You know, once you walk through it, it's hard to walk back. You know, doors close behind you, um, and, and trying to you know kind of backtrack from. You know, going from discovery to, to selling and pitching, and then trying to you know kind of backtrack into discovery. You know, people are a lot more closed off, and um, you know, not really receptive to you know kind of you know you kind of baiting them almost. Um, I think it you know once they start to realize that's happening, they get more closed off. So, well, and if if research says there's one of maybe seven triggers and you've not taken the time to try to spend some time narrowing down which of those seven, you've really given yourself a one in seven chance of having success, right? So if you do something just as simple as knocking it down in half, you increase your odds of success so exponentially at such an early stage of what you're doing. That it, you know, Oftentimes it's really easily overlooked because we don't want to spend our time on that piece of things. We want to get to why we're so damn amazing and why we should be the person that you should be choosing right out of the shoot, right? So really, really important for newer members to sales to, to be comfortable in letting that part of the discussion take more time than maybe what most people are willing to allow it to happen, right? Right, definitely. All right, so we we've we've got some interrelated questioning here and uh, this one is i'm I'm dying to hear what you have to say here and um i I really have absolutely no idea where you're going to come out on this so it's interesting for me to ask you so um we we have this supposition we 40 somethings and 50 somethings that 
part of your decision-making process when you're at the stage of life that you're in, when you're trying to decide what to do for a living, has to do at least in some way, shape, or form with the values of the organization that you might join. So help me separate fact from fiction here, Dylan. So how does identifying with the company you're going to be a part of fit into that overall decision-making when you're deciding between maybe an offer you've gotten from Qualtrics and either the job you already have or another offer that you may be considering? Yeah, I definitely think that identifying with the organization you're with, um, you know, has led me, I guess, to to go into Qualtrics and work for them. Um, I think I've gotten a pretty good taste of, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, working for an older organization, I think I was, you know, the youngest person on my sales team by, you know, 10, 15, 20 years um, to now, you know, all being within a few months of each other has been a pretty interesting experience, um, you know, Culture-wise, I, I think that, you know, Qualtrics checked off, I guess in general, Qualtrics checked off, um, you know, most, if not all, the boxes that I was looking for uh, when I was looking to kind of join a new organization. Um, and I think everyone's story is a, a little bit different, but, um, you know, when I was looking for a new gig, um, you know, I was looking for a company that was younger, you know, kind of fresher, um, and then offered me, you know, a real direct path to, um, succeeding, I think that the Qualtrics really offered me that. Um, other organizations are a little bit ambiguous about how to climb the ladder. I think that I really liked, um, you know, how narrow it was for Qualtrics. It's like you do this, you go here. You know, you do this, you go here. I think that was you know, pretty helpful for me. So, if I was to get all fifty-five of you out for a bar night, which God knows I wouldn't be able to afford the bill. <laughs> But if I were to do that, do you think, and I know this is somewhat you editorializing, but do you feel like there's members of the team that would have said that's the reason between me choosing them and another company? I mean, does it really get down to to that stage of the decision making in some instances where like all things being equal, the difference is I, I can more closely identify with that organization's values versus another? I think that's hard to say. Um, I think you know a lot of what Qualtrics has to offer, um, you know, with the account executive role, um, is is kind of letting you be, um, you know, really in charge of yourself. Um, a lot of other sales organizations, I know I'm kind of generalizing here, but you know, you're involved with you know a very select um, number of steps in the sales process. I think that a lot of our counterparts, you know, they have someone to cold call for them, set their meetings. You know, they run the first few initial meetings and someone comes in and demos for them and then kind of legal gets involved with, you know, procurement and, um, you know, it's almost out of your hands a little bit. Um, whereas Qualtrics, you know, things are, you know, balls in your court for the most part, unless, you know, things qualify for, you know, a certain number of people coming in or something like that. I think that, you know, Qualtrics has really offered you um, a, a set of, of good parameters to, you know, kind of look at it and it's like, hey, I want to get better at, at these different areas. Um, this position has allowed me um, to get trained on, you know, all these different areas. You know, if I don't you know, want to go and, and direct sales in the future, you know, all these experiences has you know, kind of helped me, um, you know, kind of look at a few different paths. For sure. And, and really, especially at the collective stage of your group's development, a better way to make sure that we don't let anyone outside of the family 
than to make sure that regardless of where the journey takes you, there's a place for you to stay and be a part of the organization. And that, you know, that's oftentimes really where people will make a career change is oftentimes where they just feel like their own internal interests don't align with what the organization can provide them anymore. So it's key to, especially from, um, imagine you've got a youthful, passionate sales force that over time will represent the tribal knowledge of the organization as it grows, knowing that no one has to feel necessarily any uh, motivation to have to step outside the organization because there's always a path for them. So really, really important. I think it's important for people in our industry to recognize that if you're going to bring someone new into the organization who's, you know, sort of fits this demographic, one of the most important parts of that is to have them realize that it's not necessarily being hired for the job that they have today, but hiring for the job that they could have should their journey uh, take them beyond what it is that necessarily they've signed up for on day one. So it's really, really good. So Dylan, where, where, where does your team look for ways to improve as a salespeople, like as salespeople, like where, where do you see people gathering best practices and sharing things that are meant to help the team be more successful? Yeah. So I think that Qualtrics does a good job of that as well. Um, you know, they have a, a pretty good training program, I mean, you know, we're in our headquarters for a little bit there when we first start, um, and we do have you know ongoing monthly and weekly trainings and, and those type of things. But um, what I think has been most helpful for me um, is you know, one of our piece of technology tools. Um, when we do a demo or a call, you know, we can record that if we want, and then kind of go back and listen to you know how we sounded. You know, here are what you know some of the the good points we mentioned. Here are some of the bad points you want to take out. Um, and you know that being said, you can not only look at yours, but you can look at other people within the organization that have it turned on as well. So you know you want to look at you know why is this this top performer doing so well? Well, you can go and listen to his meetings. I think that you know that has been pretty helpful for me. Um, you know that in addition to you know they always talk about um, our sales leaders always talk about trying to reach out to a person in the office that does you know this point of the sales process the best. So. You know, this person's the best at, at setting meetings. You know, you go talk to him for that. You know, this person's the best at running demos. You know, you go talk to the other guy for that. Um, trying to, you know, kind of look at all the best practices of different people in the office and then try to pick and choose what, you know, like what you can do. You know, try to improve your current process or manipulate or even integrate, you know, some of their, you know, key points or just the way they're doing things into your own process. I think that um, that's really the best that's way to do things. I think in other organizations, it's a little bit harder to do. Maybe, you know, especially in outside sales roles, um, that's definitely probably um, hard to do. But for, for Qualtrics, you know, being mostly inside um, and having a lot of pieces of technology to kind of aid us with those, um, I think that that's led to, um, you know, faster growth path for Qualtrics and, you know, reps, you know, really trying to buy into, you know, kind of best practices all around. Well, and I, I don't know how you feel when you hear it, but typically when I'm on any call, call tree kind of press one for this, press five for this, and you get to the place where it says, this call may re- be recorded for training, and uh, you're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and yet here you are saying, no, actually, it actually is. And 
and you're, you're marrying that with your technology tools to be able to look at quantifiable statistics to say who's achieving uh, noteworthy levels of success in the varying stages of the sales process. And oh, part two, if you'd like to learn more about how that person's achieving that success, please go listen to their archive so that you can hear exactly what it is that he or she are doing. And, you know, to me, what, what I've heard and seen oftentimes in my sales career is this whole notion of data and analytics. And I think it's somewhat fool's gold in a lot of instances because you'll hear people say, like, there's so much data to be had. And I think that's true. But where really it falls down is the reporting and the analysis of, you know, who really is doing it well and why. And your organization yeah, taking the time to do that and share it with you individually is really, really important for your collective success going forward. So it's nice to know it's actually happening. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, definitely pulling some, some buzzwords off our website, it seems like, um, you know, definitely data and analysis is definitely kind of one of our, our key benchmarks, but, um, you know, appreciate uh, the time today. Any more, um, you know, questions that you have for me? Well, I guess I just have one last one. So if I'm representative of the demographic of the people that you are speaking to, do you have any one sort of hot prediction, one hot, like, if you're going to do any one thing, Mr. Business Owner, to help attract people my age to your business, what would be the one or two things that you might suggest as, as we close this out? Um, you know, I don't even know if it's you know, one or two things. I think that always listening to your customers, you, know, you can't go wrong. Um, you can't um, you know, do poorly by trying to improve your current processes in place. So you know, whether that be trying to cater to a specific you know, customer segment, or just trying to improve the way you guys are delivering your product. I think that, you know, taking an ongoing kind of look at, you know, where you are today, where you want to be in the future, um, and, and the steps to, you know, sort of meet those goals and initiatives. I think that, you know, obviously trying nothing's not going to work. Um, so kind of always keep going there and, you know, see where it takes you, I guess. So I will remind you of a uh, one sentence that I told you about a long time ago. And it's plan your work and work your plan, right, my friend? So if you have a plan and you're working it and you're studying how you're succeeding and failing, you are 75% further down the field than most people who you're competing with. So we will leave it with plan your work, work your plan, plan. and we look forward to hearing about the continued success of the Qualtrics sales team for the rest of 2018. Dylan, really appreciate your time and we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, man.